0: Hello everyone, and welcome to I'm Not Your Shrink, a podcast about changing the dialogue in your life. I am Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical health psychologist and couples therapist. Each week, we talk about everyday issues that people face with the intention of helping you to feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live your life. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode. I am sitting with Andrea Plitz. She is a registered physiotherapist, yoga teacher, and a mother, and she has a clinical focus in women's and pelvic health, including pre and postnatal care. She loves to work with women at any age, so across the lifespan, from teenagers to postmenopause, and at any stage of their health journey. So not just women who are pregnant or after they've given birth. So let's jump right into the episode. Andrea, thank you so much for sitting with me. My intention with this podcast was really to help women live a life filled with meaning. And part of that is about being connected. You know this, about the mind and the body. And it would be such a mess for me if I didn't sit down with someone who's an expert on the body side. Mm-hmm. So I am so excited today to talk about pelvic floor health with you. Mm-hmm. But maybe even as we start, because I imagine a lot of people think, well, pelvic floor health should only be about postpartum issues. Maybe you can help us understand a little bit about how that's a misconception or misunderstanding.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we all have pelvic floors, and men and women, so regardless of age, that's definitely um, a very um, important Population of women that I do see is around the perinatal period just because of the changes that our bodies undergo around that time especially with you know growing and caring and moving with a baby for those nine, ten months and then that very Natural and wonderful, but still trauma of birth whether it's a vaginal delivery or c-section and then just you know doing our day-to-day stuff post birth and being mothers and having to do all the day-to-day of what that entails so um, and then you know a lot of moms want to get back to activity and all these things for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um, and from whatever timeline too right Right. so um, that postpartum period can be anything from you know the first eight weeks postpartum all the way up to you know 10-15 years postpartum so um, that's definitely a big population I do see but um, I'm, I'm wanting to work a little bit more primarily with female young female athletes um, just to give them the tools earlier on before they get to the childbearing years and so that we can maybe um, stave off some of those more common pelvic floor issues around that time or at least make them more resilient to manage them better and quicker and recover faster from that so um, yeah but then even Even menopausal women Mm, really need this work, too, because that's a big hormonal shift and change. Um, You know, it's a time of change, too, a lot in their lives around, um, you know, work and recreation, too, so Mm. that can change physically how they're using their body. Um, So, yeah.
0: So really, then, it's about times of change that's important, right? So Mm -hmm. having um, this prevention, this core piece around... Uh, how we're functioning, how we're connected to our pelvic floors, mm-hmm. and then looking at when things change. Yeah, yeah. So then, the preventative piece. What's important about? Um, I was reading on one of your blogs the um, the education piece, the awareness, and the empowerment. And I think if we have an understanding of you know, you can do things to help you later on, mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to always be treatment-based.
1: Right. Um, so prevention-wise, yeah, I did just put out a blog for general enhancement of your pelvic health, men, women, young, old, whatever it mm. is. Um, so in that blog, it talks about five main things. So one would be just connecting with this area first. Like, if we don't even know what this area looks like or feels like or moves like in our bodies. How can we preventative and its progression forwards Um, and then secondly would be optimizing gut health Mm. so our pelvic floor of its main function is to control bladder and bowel and elimination of course Um, and most of the time um, you know if our digestion is working well then we don't really think about how that's related to our pelvic floor health and all those things but especially um, sometimes people with other gut dysfunction or disease, whether it's IBS or Crohn's or colitis or whatever it is, um, that can really affect, or even chronic constipation, even regardless Mm -hmm. of disease, right? A lot of people walk around constipated all the time, um, so they're bearing down and pushing with bowel movements, and that's not really helpful for the pelvic floor. It can really strain it and cause it to compensate in ways that it doesn't need to, Mm. Um, so gut health is super important, and more so hydration rather than just upping your fiber, because if Mm. you're not hydrated up your fiber it's going to back things up even more. right yes (laughs) yeah and then for women um as far as enhancing pelvic health really using our menstrual cycle as an indicator of health so Hmm. um you know i find uh our menstrual cycle has just sort of been this thing that's it's getting better it's not shameful but it's embarrassing right when you hit puberty and you're like oh oh no my period is coming yeah. yeah um and so you know even if there's the most teeniest bit of pain or extreme amounts of pain we just sort of try to suppress it right, right. as opposed to really trying to tune in and see what it is our body trying to tell us you know yeah. it takes a, it takes a few years around puberty to actually like our bodies figure out how to regulate our hormones in that mm. way but then I find these women once they hit fertility age then that's they're not really connected with that part of themselves, right? Because they've mm. suppressed it either through oral contraceptives or whatever it is for years. And so they don't really know how to tune in, and then they have issues with fertility or whatever that is. And so... Um, yeah, I think it a it all goes
0: together, right? eh? Yes. And when it comes to things um, in terms of our menstrual health, what women are often so focused on is just don't get pregnant. Right. right? Yes. Or, you know, tune out those emotions. Or I can even remember my own gym teacher saying, you know, oh, you have menstrual cramps. Just push through it. Right? right. Push through totally. the pain that you're feeling mm-hmm. instead of understanding what what's happening in your body and what it's telling you and how you can cope with it. Yeah, and even kind of like you probably can enhance it. Like, yeah. especially pre-ovulation,
1: we get this boost of creative energy, mm-hmm. this surge of energy, um, which can be really beneficial for us. You mm-hmm. know, it can be really empowering for us to maybe schedule, like, an interview or something like that yes. week or like the second <laughs> week of our cycle where we know we're just right. like feeling super powerful and feminine and all these things, right? And then we can also, you know, maybe we don't um, plan a really big party or something that we're hosting, doing all the work for mm. if we know we have PMS and we get really low in energy and mm-hmm. all the, you know, mental, emotional pieces that go along with that. So just using it to our advantage rather than trying to suppress it and just hide it away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about something really important is really connecting with your body. And one of the things I often hear in therapy from my clients is when I say, what's that like for you or what happens Mm -hmm. inside? A lot of people say, I don't know. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's, it's this message that we always get of just, just turn your body stuff off. And mm-hmm. the analogy I like to use is like like this cut between your neck, right? Between yeah. your mind and your body. Mm-hmm. So if you were saying to, to one of your clients, connecting with your body, how do you help them start to do that? Mm-hmm. Definitely
1: meeting them where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. Some people are really body aware and can tell you, like, my left baby toe is, you know, achy today mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> um, some people are just so used to pushing through and they're like, what do you mean? Right. What does my body feel like? Like it's just there and it's doing its thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first part really, I get them to integrate and just tune in to either the area of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if that's maybe too stimulating for the nervous system, if that's too threatening, then maybe looking more at... You know, where are you feeling quiet and calm today? Mm. Um, A nice starting point for a lot of people is just really your
0: breath. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yes, it's such an important one. And so just
1: tuning into your breath and noticing, you know, where are you breathing into? Where are you not breathing into?
0: And I just took a deep
1: breath as you said that too. I know, it's so (laughs) good. Every time I turn on my (laughs) Calm app, it's like, breathe. Breathe. Yeah.
0: Of course. Yeah. Just take a
1: breath. Yeah. Um, And then... Yeah, just seeing where you can move it and maybe not move it, See, if, especially in that relationship. So our, our pelvic floor is very much interrelated to our breath and our respiratory diaphragm because the diaphragm sits on top. And then our pelvis is at the bottom of our of our trunk mm. of our canister of our abdomen. So, um, very much interrelated. The pelvic floor ebbs and flows as our diaphragm breathes in and out. So it's very much interrelated. So we sort of start with the breath and then work our way down if our focus is pelvic health mm-hmm. um, and abdominal health. So that's sort of the easiest place to start.
0: Yes that's a good one. I would say that I spend a lot of time with my clients just teaching them to feel how it feels the rise and the fall of their chest right Mm -hmm. as they're breathing and then when emotions do come up in session starting to tune into where where does sadness feel Mm -hmm. or what do you feel with this anxious feeling right and starting to use different words or images mm-hmm. to go with it. But the yes. breath and being present in our body is so important. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've started in this spot, but I want to go back to more about you mm-hmm. and just understanding who you are and the multiple hats that you you wear right mm-hmm. now.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm a physiotherapist. I've been practicing for eight or nine years now. Um, I started pretty soon after graduating into pelvic health, and um, yeah, I've been working with it since, Mm -hmm. which is really great, Um, and I find it's been wonderful to integrate to more complex orthopedic, musculoskeletal stuff as well. So that's sort of like my pelvic floor hat, physio hat, my orthopedic physio hat, and then sort of combining those two, Um, and then I'm a wife. My husband and I have been together since um, high school. We didn't go to the same high school, but we've been together for almost 17, 18 years. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, we have a rambunctious... Just over two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, who is awesome and so much fun. And then we have a little fur baby, our dog, Oliver. Of course, the second baby. (laughs) Our first, but now second baby. Your first, but second. (laughs) Yes,
0: right. I wonder, as a professional, um, being a mother, a wife, um, a woman... You know, you're managing your career, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you offer in-clinic appointments, um, your business. How, how do you find... This is a question that I get a lot from women is, how do I balance it all? Mm-hmm. How, how would you try to answer that? Um,
1: I mean, it's never like, yeah, I have it all balanced right now. I mean, maybe for like a breath and then something happens, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's always an ongoing... Effort. I think for me, and you know what I see is in treating my patients is sort of that identity piece, right? Like, who are you? What hats do you wear? And for me, and it's just the nature of being um, a self-employed healthcare professional is that I went back to work when my daughter was four months old, mm. part time, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I didn't sort of, I still had all my hats going, yeah, you know, pretty early on postpartum. And so, um, I think it would be really hard to, for me to be off for, let's say a year or 18 months and your only hat that you're wearing is mom hat. Right. Right. And so I think it was just, and then, you know, there's some guilt associated around that for me, at least as far as, you know, when I'm, um, at home and with my family, you know, I'm thinking about like work stuff and like, why can't I just put that away right on the shelf and mm-hmm. let my mind deal with it later. And then same thing when I'm at work thinking about home stuff. And so it's just trying to balance those. But I think the biggest thing that helped me to balance those was just to give myself permission to try on different hats at different times and, yeah. and try to be focused in the moment on what I was doing rather than worrying about all
0: the other pieces. Mm. Um, I like that. Yeah. It's like when you're in that moment, it's like keeping on that hat, right? And being with that hat. And when that mom hat wants to pop in to kind of quiet that and saying, here I am. And mm. I, I can completely appreciate the, um, you know, I, I always describe myself as not being a good mat leave mommy, <laughs> yeah. um, that I missed work. And it was something that mm. filled me up. And it really is that balance between um you know, feeling so full with work and also, and, and I intentionally say and there, right? And nurturing mm-hmm. the self by being at home or mm-hmm. doing things for yourself.
1: And that's the other piece too, is just giving, I found it really important. And my husband was awesome at supporting this. He's like, You haven't been out in a while, like, go for a <laughs> run or go to yoga or whatever it is. And, right. you know, or even just encouraging me, like, Oh, I think I might go to yoga tomorrow morning. Like, does that work for you guys? You know? Um, once do on the weekend, he was, you know I get up the next morning, and I'm like, oh, I think I'll stay home. He's like, you really wanted to go to yoga. And I was like, okay, thanks for the encouragement again, right? right. Like, and so just having that support network, cool. whoever it is, to just give that little extra nudge when maybe you're just, you know, it, it would have been nice to stay home that morning too, but it also really filled me up, and I really did need to go out to yes. that class and do just me for that moment, right? And right. so I think that a lot of moms find it hard, to find mm. that space and to give themselves permission to go and do those independent things. With those things that will fill them up. Yes. That's so important.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so I think even you being part of my healthcare team postpartum was a good reminder um, to to look after myself, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of nurturing yourself in so many different ways and having that reminder. So my appointments with you um, for our listeners to know, mm-hmm. um, I actually got Andrea's name from another colleague in the city and then referring my clients to you and hearing great reviews and seeing you myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to just have that team behind you, right? Whether it is looking after your, the physical parts of you or the mental health parts of you, um, having that support, whether it is your partner or friends and just Mm -hmm. holding you to that and helping you to care for that whole piece. Right. Absolutely. It's an interesting piece just kind of going with that, that, as moms, we don't prioritize ourselves, eh? We Mm -hmm. feel a lot of guilt being able to say, I have to go and do this. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think it is that stops us from doing that? When it, when you think of your clients coming in?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's so diverse and I don't, I mean, I treat in in what we call like a biopsychosocial model. So, um, especially in, in pelvic health, I find it's even more important to look at, you know, mental health and support systems and mm. activities and all of the pieces. So the biology, which is the physical, which is my main domain of, of practice and care, but then also what is this psycho and what is the social components piece? And how is that contributing to um, the health of the biology? So mm. whether that's maybe a limiting factor, right? If someone has... Um, You know some postpartum depression for example and they are feel really isolated and they especially in the winter and they're not (laughs) going outside right like um or they just have no time to because they have two or three kids at home they have no time to do their physio homework then I need to chat with them and figure out okay what else is going on how can we make this most successful for you Mm -hmm. um in that moment
0: yeah Yeah, it's this piece about being able to prioritize and focus on, on, on us, right? And I think we forget that, you know, even the example of, I love using cell phones as an example that, Mm. you you know, you have to charge your phone and you can't just keep using your phone endlessly and it's okay to put your phone and charge it, right? right? And, and then even the push the analogy further is when the battery is lower, Mm-hmm. and you go outside and it's cold and it yes. dies even faster right it's yes, true that for ourselves even we have to think of these ways of being able to plug ourselves in and to yeah. recharge and to do that in between things
1: mm-hmm. that
0: it's not taking away time from you as a mom mm-hmm. and you being a great mom right. um, but rather that it, how can it nurture that piece of you absolutely right yeah,
1: yeah I'm not sure I mean everyone's so different that's why people go and see you is to figure out, right? How can, how can they improve their mental wellness to Mm. do all the things that they want to be able to do? Um, and yeah, I chat with a little bit with patients, but definitely not as in depth as you. And that's when I just refer
0: them to (laughs) (laughs) you. Okay. So I personally, before having a baby, never heard of a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. Are they new?
1: They're not new. Um, I think they've been in at least in like Quebec and Ontario, we've had public floor physios, albeit they're probably like the original four, six between here, Montreal, Toronto. Mm. There are probably about six, um, starting in about I'm gonna say like early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I started practicing eight, nine years ago, there were probably only like fifteen of us in the city. Right. Um, and now we have like I say like 60 plus there's more and oh, wow. more there's more and more in Ottawa in Ottawa Gatineau oh amazing yeah. um and it's really interesting there's more and more uh physiotherapists coming into it I just I'm supervising two new physiotherapy residents right now so um and they've both gotten their sort of first um licensing to be able to do internal pelvic work and so it's just um, like all the courses are always sold out people want to help yes. people and
0: um yeah, so it's growing. Right, it's and growing. so even what you said at the beginning in the sense of that we're moving just from a treatment model, right, that it can also be mm-hmm. part of prevention.
1: Absolutely, um, yes. more, and more treatment
0: throughout the, the life lifespan. Span. Yeah,
1: more and more, though, I'm having even pregnant women come in, um, or even postpartum if they didn't come in prenatally, and say, I'm doing pretty good, but I just want to check up to like make sure everything's okay, mm-hmm. see anything prevention-wise that I can do to help get me back to my sports a little bit faster or to help yeah. prevent leaking, I like get back to my long distance running or whatever it is, you know, help prevent my abdominals, um, from working overtime and too much for the next pregnancy. Right. So more and more like, yeah, a lot of women are mm. really focused on
0: this prevention piece, which is great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then when somebody says, I don't do jumping jacks anymore because I might pee a little. <laughs> right. So is that something that we should just accept as women who have given birth? I mean, no. If you really want to do jumping jacks, we <laughs> are going to work with you to be able to do jumping jacks
1: where you don't pee your pants. So there's, you know, a saying like in pelvic, well, I'm sure with a lot of things, but in pelvic floor physio, so all these symptoms are common. They're not normal. So um, I sort of liken it to like, you know, antibiotics. You know, before the advent of antibiotics, people would definitely die from like a flu or an infection of some sort, oh. right? Um, and obviously you won't die from leaking urine, maybe of embarrassment, but otherwise you're okay. Um, I, do, I do
0: wear black pants when I work out, just smart. <laughs> um, when I'm at the gym. <laughs> yeah,
1: but then, I mean, so there's treatment for it, right? And so why would you live with it? Right. Right? So it's common, but it's not normal, and we can help it. So
0: I think that's important right there, what you said, because I had read that in your blogs as well, mm-hmm. that it's common, but it's not normal. Right, yeah. That this is something, so what, what I understand from it is... You don't have to keep accepting that this happens, or if you want to do a certain physical exercise, that you can Mm -hmm. and you can do it through some concerted effort and rehab,
1: um, not doing it while you leak or while you're in pain or whatever it is. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think that would be the other important piece to add to that is it's not just about um, incontinence. Right. It's not just about leaking. That's what a lot of people think about when they think about you
1: know pelvic floor physio because it's. Um, The most common one, I think. Yes, it's Um, the one we
0: most often talk about. Yeah, because
1: it's also the most embarrassing, (laughs) right? right? So, um, yeah, but pelvic floor physio, um, obviously it works with the function of the pelvic floor muscles. So we have um, three layers of these deep um, superficial and deep pelvic muscles that have different functions. There's five functions. Um, And one of the main ones is... um, Part, to be working as part of the core. So it should be working as your deep stability system. So um, sometimes if you have a lack of core strength, and that's not just sit up some planks and all those mm. things, it really has to be a lot more integrative. But um, yeah, it can lead to symptoms of the pelvic floor. So that's typically what we think about with pelvic floor dysfunction. So symptoms of the pelvic floor being leaking yeah. urine, you know, constipation, possibly leaking some stool, yeah. um, pelvic pain, so pain with intercourse all those types of things more holistically than two it could be related to pelvic girdle pain so pain in the symphysis pubis so in the front bone at the Mm. bottom of the pelvis typically um felt during pregnancy or soon post you know tailbone pain um pain with menses all Mm. these different things so anything that's um you know symptomatic within the pelvic basin relates to pelvic floor physio. But then on top of that too, because of its relationship to the core is also abdominal dysfunction. Mm. And so that's where a lot, where we work with pre and postnatal is around the abdominal wall and how that relates to pelvic floor just because they should work synergistically together. Um, And so if one or the other abdominal wall or pelvic floor is not working well in a balanced state, then that can lead to any one of those pelvic floor symptoms I just mentioned, but it can also lead to other injuries like um you know recurrent injuries of of whatever shoulder hip you know hip pain can lead to back pain it could lead to whatever it is so sometimes um it's not just about leaking urine or or that type of thing but it can pelvic floor physio can be warranted in other ailments too Even headaches, I treat headaches sometimes, and there's a pelvic floor component, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the pelvic floor is part of your whole body, Mm. and so in that way, pelvic floor physios are an interesting um, point in the system to help others who maybe not have gotten better with traditional physio or more external physio where they, you know, external physios and traditional physios are integrating more pelvic floor by, you know, looking at just some people do Kegels, but sometimes Kegels aren't. The best and um so they're trying to integrate but public floor physios have a unique education that we can really look internally and and see how it's really into whole body and and make that change
0: and see how it's um really into their complaint and lack of performance potentially so you hit something really important there mm-hmm. that I think people should know, yeah. and maybe they don't, but I what know. is your first assessment? What is involved in that? Yeah. So a lot of, so our first assessments are always an hour
1: for myself. Um, other pelvic floor physios, they can range to like 75 minutes depending on how much they like to have. Um, and so, yeah, our first, we, you know, we chat, we talk about health history. So we fill out a health history complaint or uh-huh. sheet, um, you know, and inevitably they forget something or anything that's not relevant to why they're leaking in their, um, in their workout, but leaking or pain on intercourse or, pain, yeah. or the yeah, migraine the, piece, migraine piece, yeah. yeah, tailbone pain, hip pain, right. um, endometriosis even. Hmm. Um, yeah. So we chat about the health history. So we go through that. We talk about why they're there and what their expectations are for physio and all these different types of things. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I really spend a lot of time going over the anatomy, so I get on my iPad and my um, anatomy slides and just tell them where we're going and Mm. why we're going there, what we're looking for, and then based on their history, this is why I want to go to this other place potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and then we'll go through um, an assessment. So it depends on what they're coming in for. If they're coming in for, let's say, um, you know, leaking with running, I will do more of an integrated assessment looking at how are they running. So I'll, I'll sort of break down the the task of moving. So single leg standing with rotation of the rib cage and that type of thing um, and see how everything's sort of relating to one another. Mm. Um, that so it gives me sort of an idea of where to start on sort of where the best place in the body is to start an intervention. Sometimes it might be pelvic floor, sometimes it's not. Um, most, so that's even yeah. interesting
0: right there, eh? So that um, when you're doing that assessment, it's not necessarily that you're – you're Because I think the misconception, and I'll say it for myself, is that mm. we're going to, you're going to see a pelvic floor therapist and you're going to do a Kegel. You're going to learn how to, to Kegel properly. Right. Right? Yeah. But you're even saying during that assessment, I want to see where am I starting because I'm not necessarily starting right there. I'm not necessarily starting the pelvic floor, and that's a unique perspective for pelvic floor So That's a right. different type of training that I've taken. Which is one of the strengths <laughs> that I completely see with you right. and that I love working with you, well, yeah. also with my clients right. when I see you, but also with myself because it's taking that person as a whole. Right. Right? So yeah. then you you don't just narrow in and treat one symptom. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the time there can be um, – you know, local dysfunction of the pelvic floor, even if their main, we call it a driver, is, is outside of the pelvis. But, um, and so on that first assessment, depending on the complexity of their history and that type of thing, we may or may not do an internal exam based on what I find most of the time I will just to get sort of an understanding of their baseline competency and what the pelvic floor is doing at rest. Mm-hmm. Again, I will assess how are they kegling. Mm-hmm. What is your conception of a Kegel? Sometimes people just squeeze their bum and nothing <laughs> happens in the pelvic floor. So, you know, and then it's sort of retraining that piece, looking at breath. Right. So, you know, if you breath hold all the time, your pelvic floor is going to have a hard time to lift and Contract and, mm-hmm. and stabilize things. Um, sometimes it's looking at, too, you know, how does the pelvic floor relax after it activates and right. um, how does it relate with the rest of the core and the abdominal wall? Um, looking for prolapse, too, such so as a falling out of position of the pelvic organs, especially postnatally if you've,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: pushed for a long time
0: or had a big baby or had multiple births, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and with someone yeah. who's had a C-section, should they still see you? Or is it someone only with vaginal yeah. birth? Yeah, good question. So... Um, let's go to my social media post next week, maybe. Uh,
1: <laughs> so there's only actually a three percent difference in pelvic floor dysfunction between C-section and vaginal birth. Oh, so interesting. So it's only 19 percent pelvic floor dysfunction for vaginal birth, and then 16 uh, for C-sections.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, which is really surprising. So 19 percent for vaginal and 16 for cesarean, mm-hmm. which I think is such that's. That's so. Minimal. That's one study, right? Right. And I'll have to go back and look at. But all in that general, earlier. though, because I think what we and I know for for myself, that's often the thought that I've had of, mm-hmm. well, if it's cesarean, then it's fine, right? You didn't right. push. There's no yeah. changes. Yeah. Everything goes back. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So um,
1: that's definitely a misconception too. Mm. I mean. The big thing is that you carried and grew this baby for nine, 10 months, right? So your body and, and how your deep core is working, how your pelvic floor is working is all changed mm-hmm. over that time period. And then even with a C-section, did you have an emergency C-section? Did you right. go into labor? Did you push? And then did you progress mm-hmm. through C-section or was it a planned C-section, right? And those things can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so I think it's more important to, and then post, right? Like how did you move postpartum, even mm. C-section? I mean, it's, it's hard to compare C-section versus vaginal delivery because sometimes they're equally debilitating, right? Oh, so absolutely. Um, Depending on
0: tearing, on yeah. all kinds of different oh, yeah. issues, all healing kinds. from the cesarean. Totally. Yeah.
1: Right. you had infection or complications, mm. you know, all those different types of things. So, um, yeah, it's not just about the delivery for pelvic health and that's, I think that's important to know, because like you said, everyone just thinks vaginal delivery, you know, of course, when i going to have some issues, so it's normal, my doctor said so, and so whatever, I'll just wear yes. a pad all right. the time.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Five years later, still, you know, someone's still wearing a pad. Exactly. Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah, and then we can even look at, you know, there's pelvic floor dysfunction in women who have never had children, mm. or pelvic floor dysfunction in young female athletes. Right. Right? And so it's not just about childbirth, but that is a big
0: component of who I see just because of the nature of Of the nature of it, right? Of it, yeah. I th- I'm thinking maybe this is a, more of a clinical cre- question, but pelvic floor dysfunction, would that also relate to, you know, the other clinical terms like we use, like vaginismus mm-hmm. or dyspareunia, pain on intercourse? yeah. Yes. So would they kind of go hand in hand then when you're talking about pelvic floor dysfunction? Yeah, so pelvic
1: floor dysfunction includes, um, yeah, so bladder, bowel, dysfunction, okay. loss of it. Yeah. Or retention. Yeah. Right? It can also be pain, pain with elimination of bladder bowels. And then also just pelvic pain. Yeah. With sport or whatever. And then also pain with sexual function. Okay. So it can be with arousal, it can be with stimulation, it can be with penetrative intercourse, um, and all those things. Mm. And so it's really um yeah we look at the five functions of the pelvic floor, so sexual arousal stimulation, deep core control and function lymphatic drainage um i'm forgetting them all now but <laughs> if we look at all those functions then it really that sort of encapsulates the pelvic floor's function but it doesn't really mean that that's sometimes the pelvic floor can be the victim of other stuff right so the dysfunction just tells you that there's something not going well in the pelvic basin. It's not managing things well, but I don't tell mm. you why that is. Mm. And so that's where I get to be a little bit detective and try to figure things out. And you know, it might be something coming directly from the pelvic floor. In which case, you know, doing your Kegels or you know, releasing the pelvic floor, that type of thing will be helpful mm. and will help you long term.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, what I find a lot of time for things that don't resolve with treatment as expected then there's some other contributing factor outside the pelvis that is affecting their complaint. So then again, the pelvic floor is more of a victim of what's going on outside of
0: it. Okay. Yeah. And then talk a little bit about infertility, mm. right? Because yeah. I think that that's an important piece when it comes to our pelvic floor functioning. Mm-hmm.
1: So infertility is... Um, as far as the way pelvic floor physiotherapy is it, newer to be treated, so um, the way I got into it was more treating women with endometriosis and pelvic pain, uh, dysmenorrhea, so pain with periods and their cycles, yeah. um, and then seeing a few of those patients a few years later when they're trying to conceive or that type of thing. So then mm. working more the fertility side of it, because um, it's not really a mobility function issue, so it doesn't typically fall within our, um, realm of treatments, but, uh, they find it really helpful. And so, yeah, I find especially, we, so as physios, we sort of work with the mechanical side of it. So for women who have mechanical infertility or unexplained infertility at times, um, what do you mean by mechanical infertility? So mechanical, if, so let's say they have a history of endometriosis Hmm. there's lots of adhesions in the pelvic region. Um, and so, or let's say they have an occluded fallopian tube, um, that is manually anatomically physiologically okay. restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, in that way we work a little bit more specifically. So mm. we work on the, the physical, um, whereas let's say with fertility, whether it's through, um, physicians or naturopathic medicine where they work more on the biochemistry of the system. So, um, what was the question
0: <laughs> talking about infertility <laughs> thank you and the the mechanical piece yes no that's helpful
1: yeah so with um with um with mechanical infertility i really focus on just tissue mobility of the pelvic um, and reproductive organ so it doesn't necessarily relate to pelvic floor Per se, because the pelvic floor is a group of muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they have pain with penetration or they're, they have vaginismus where they're in a, unable to have intercourse because of pain, then yeah. for sure we work on that. Right. Um, but a lot of time with the mechanical infertility women that I see, it's more related to releasing and getting the uterus moving well, aligned well, the ovaries and fallopian tubes moving mm. and aligned well. Um, you know, looking at digestion and maybe some of the. Um, visceral mobility of the organs and make sure that that's moving well so that then the circulation to the reproductive organs and lymphatic drainage away from can be optimized. So we're looking more like the physical environment optimization rather than um, anything else Then so that the medical side of things can biochemically optimize.
0: Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. It just really fits with the whole person, right? Looking at the whole so that it's not just... Um, here's this issue and take this medication. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay, so my question always is, is what is that proper Kegel? Right. What is that? Yeah, so um, like I said, we have three layers of pelvic floor muscles.
1: Okay. The Kegel works mostly the second and third layer, so the mid and the deepest layer. Okay. Okay. And then how does someone know if they're doing it properly? (laughs) It's tricky (laughs) because everyone has a different conception of what, a kegel is right, what that feels like, and so the pelvic floor is attached to four bones, so it's attached to your two sits bones, right mm-hmm. and left, mm-hmm. and then the pubic bone and the tailbone on the back. So, if you can imagine that diamond shaped set of muscles, that's sort of like the bottom of a bowl, yeah, in the pelvis. So, a kegel is not a strong, powerful, moving muscle contraction, it's a tensioning, subtle, um, contraction that is stay stabilizing in focus. So, it should be gentle, it should be subtle, and mm. it only really, the pelvic floor only really moves a few millimeters, so it doesn't actually move that much. Okay. Um so I get people to when they're first starting unless they've been to see whoever and have lots of awareness in their pelvic bowl and that type of thing, um I'll get them to start with their breath. So, mm-hmm. it's much easier to coordinate your pelvic floor and your Kegel with your breath, because we're sort of, you can think about it like a piston, so the diaphragm's at the top of the abdominal cavity, and the pelvic floor's at the bottom, so they should move down together and they should move up together. Mm-hmm. So on the inhale, the pelvic floor um, gets pushed down because the diaphragm's getting pulled down to make room for the air in the lungs. So then consequently, the organs that are suspended off the underside of the diaphragm come down, and so then, pelvic floor should relax on an in-breath. On the in-breath, yeah. the pelvic floor relaxes. That's yeah. right. On the exhale is when the pelvic floor should naturally rise and do a reflexive activation. So if we think about a cough or a sneeze, mm-hmm. which a lot of women leak on, <laughs> um, a cough or a sneeze is basically a forceful exhale, mm-hmm. right? And so that's when we want the pelvic floor to lift and close off bladder neck so that we don't leak. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are many different conversation drives that make that really difficult to, <laughs> to do. So, yeah, I get people to sort of start inhaling, just relaxing, crane space, exhaling, out of the mouth is a little bit easier than out of the nose, just because yeah. it decompresses the abdominal and, and ribcage cavities a little bit quicker, so you get a more reflexive lift of the pelvic floor. And then to connect to pelvic floor consciously, you can. There's all this talk about picking up a bean or. Whatever it is, but I I don't know what you've never picked up a beam with my vagina. So
0: <laughs> No, I it's, <laughs> it's hard
1: to conceptualize that. It might work for some though, right? It might work for some. So that's fine. Okay. We have so, different cues, but right. I like to be more specific based on the line um of the fibers of the muscles that we're trying to activate. Okay. Okay. So I'm still
0: thinking about the beam. I know. <laughs> it's hard to let go of. Um
1: so on an exhale, you can think about it. So we'll sort of work from the front to the back. So you can think about closing front to back. So you can think about um, maybe winking the clitoris backwards or closing pure bone to tailbone. It's mm-hmm. going to be very gentle because those muscles are like thin or not even as wide as your pinky finger. Right. Um, and then you can think about... Um, stopping pee it's not my favorite first right. thing go-to but yeah. um just because typically when we think about pee we tend to think about our lower belly and we tend to like grip and clamp and that type yeah. of thing so that's not my first go-to but um it does activate specific muscles in the second layer <laughs> um and then you can think about closing sits bones so sits bones coming together towards center mm-hmm. so these are gonna be all very small minute sensations um, the next one will be a little bit bigger. So this one you're closing back to front. So without tilting the pelvis or moving the pelvis in any way, just think about drawing the tailbone up towards the pubic bone. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes I get people to imagine they have like a sweet unicorn tail or something and they can like tuck it between (laughs) their legs Um, or whatever your favorite animal of choice is. (laughs) I like unicorn. Unicorn works. Unicorns all on trend right now. (laughs) Um, Then you can also think about stopping gas. Yeah. So again, a little bit more posterior. Okay. Um, Those are the main ones that I get people to try. I have a few more on my sleeve. If people don't get those ones, but typically they get those. Ones.
0: Yes, yeah. those are some great ones. Yeah, yeah. I think you're talking about so many important, so so many, so much rather <laughs> um, that we really need to be aware of in terms of just connecting. I mean, we've talked about even just the importance of the breath, mm-hmm. um, the importance of prevention, um, the importance of just tuning into your body and listening mm-hmm. to it. Um, what what is this? thing called Kegel and... Yeah, I think that's... I think another piece that I just want to make
1: sure that we get to is that um, it's not all about Kegels. So I yeah. mean, there's this huge push for doing Kegels just because you're going to give birth and then you have to rest of your life because you gave birth. Um, I remember <laughs> I went to one prenatal yoga class at one time and I was like, blocking my ears. Like, la, 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 please stop saying that to people. Right. But... Um, so I
0: think that's important to say again, yeah. that it's not
1: all about... Kegels. It's not all about Kegels. So right. if we think about, we need balance, right? Mm. We need strength and we need relaxation. Mm-hmm. We need length and contraction. So, um... Say that again. We need... We need strength yeah. and relaxation. Strength and relaxation. And then we need length and contraction.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you wouldn't go to the gym and just do bicep curls. Right. Without doing tricep uh-huh.
0: curls, right? So,
1: yes. um... Or you wouldn't go and do, like, 100 squats without doing a glute stretch after, Mm -hmm. right? And so, um, and sometimes, too, with pelvic health, it can't, your pelvic floor being too tight, especially in painful conditions, um, but sometimes also in incontinence, especially Mm -hmm. urinary urgency, more so women have um, increased tension in their pelvic floor, so... Um, doing Kegels can make things worse sometimes. Right. And so it, it's more important than to learn how to relax and open your pelvic floor. Ah. It's more important to create space so that then, because if your pelvic floor is on all the time, it's not going to be strong either. So our muscles function based on length. And mm. so either in the spectrum, short and tight or long and lean, they, they tend to not have their optimal strength. So you can still leak and still have a tight pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all about balance um and and integrating it into into yeah into whatever workout or exercise that you're doing in such a day to day lifting your kids
0: yes yeah of course mm-hmm. would there be three things that you would want people to take away from speaking with a pelvic floor physiotherapist
1: um hmm yeah well, um, maybe just add on to my, onto my three previous ones. So breathe. Breathe. And we talked about that. Yeah. Breath is so important, especially during exercise. So a lot of time I get some moms who are like, oh, I can hold like a three minute plank. Oh, right. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Not super functional, but cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then how are they doing that, right? Hmm. And so most of the time they're, right. puff, they they're puffing up, they're bracing. We have this rigid stability and strength, but we don't have dynamic stability and strength. And that's where you're using your breath and just tuning into your breath during your workout, which is why I love yoga because I keep the breath all the time. Yes. Um, it's just to give you that ebb and flow. And so, um, again, it's sort of like that balance between kegels and what we call reverse kegels or relaxation yes. of the pelvic floor is just to find that balance of ebb and flow and it's not just all about strength and being stronger and um, that can be helpful but you need to balance it out. otherwise you're just gonna overdo too much um okay. and then breath. Breath, breath is really important breath super important um i mean connecting to that area is probably the second most important that mm. we talked about before is just you know i remember Postnatally, even though I'm a public floor physio, I did not look down there whatsoever until I went to go see my own public floor physio because I just didn't want to know. You know, I touched though a little, so yeah, and so I wasn't totally freaked out, but just (laughs) just to know. So whatever that is for you, right? It could just be, um, you know, you could look with a mirror, or you could um, just sit on the floor and just breathe into that spot. You could just pay attention to what. That area feels
0: like drenching Boston at the end of your yoga class, right? Mm. Like it could be whatever it is for you. Um, I really that like moment. that. So just connecting and being aware of it. Mm-hmm. it, it what's interesting is I remember I remember clearly. I was actually on my way walking to the washroom after giving birth to my daughter, my mm. second, and I sneezed and I peed. Yeah, <laughs> and it must have been three days after giving birth, but I just. It was that, aware- that, that lack of awareness or lack right. of even kind of tuning into that area of my body. Yeah. Um, while I knew what the Kegel was before, right, the, mm-hmm. the proper way of yeah. doing it. Um, well, maybe not because you also helped to teach different <laughs> ways around that. But having an awareness of my body, mm-hmm. but then also having that experience. Right right and so being able to even know what that area of your body is Mm -hmm. what it looks like what it feels like what it feels like in different positions yeah with different movements Mm -hmm. to different touch um yeah and then
1: even just an awareness of if you aren't connected right? right like what is it that may be blocking you or how could you maybe get some more awareness or sensation there um different things yeah So the other thing with keeping good, uh, pelvic health is try not to strain. Okay. So, um, a lot of the time people will strain with constipated bowel movements. Mm. Um, and some people I see have no kids, but they've just been chronically constipated their whole life. And so they have pelvic floor dysfunction. Right. And so, um, you know, whether it's on the toilet straining, so try not to strain, you know, give yourself a little bit more time. Yeah. If you can, if there's toddlers and stuff pulling at you, it might be a little bit tricky, (laughs) but do your best. Um, yeah, and then especially during exercise, I find a lot of people will breath hold, sort of go mm. with plank, they'll just get this rigid strength, and so um, that's a form of straining too. Yeah. So especially with lifting, lifting kids into the car seat, or, you know, lifting that bag of groceries or the bucket of water to wash the floor if ever you get to that i don't so much (laughs) my
0: i haven't done it for a while admittedly but it's that i get it though because you what we do though is we don't tune into what our body's doing and the best way to move it and so Mm -hmm. then we just strain, right um thinking of how many times lifting up our children yeah and we just do it in, and a convenient automatic way do it and that's
1: fine but if you can be aware and so the easiest trick to do just to exhale mm. as you exert yourself
0: right
1: so exhale when you go to lift your kid out of the crib mm-hmm. and come to you exhale when you go to lower them into mm-hmm. the crib or into bed um exhale when you go to lift the groceries up onto the counter whatever it is um you may not need to do it with all of those things like if it's a light grocery load or whatever it is depending on where you are in your rehab process but um yeah just doing that exhale helps to Reflexively activate pelvic floor, core, and just to decompress the system. So you get this little bit of a hug in your middle that just supports you mm. so nicely. Sometimes you have to be a little more mindful of it and consciously connect if your body needs that. But a lot of time, just at a minimum, blow
0: and, right. and move. Yeah. Right. Okay, so breathe. Breathe. Tune in. Tune in, yeah. And... It goes back to breathe again. Exhale, right? <laughs> exhale. But exhale. Yeah. But yeah, that's so important. And it's, it's interesting when I even think of the interventions that I use with people and how I work with people, mm. just tuning in, being mm. aware yeah. and connecting. Yeah. Yes. Andrea, thank you so much for sitting with me. I feel like you have given us a good overview about pelvic floor health and mm-hmm. what a pelvic floor physiotherapist does. Yeah. Um, can you tell our listeners how to find you and more information about you?
1: Yeah, so I'm online. It's Andrea Plitz P L I T Z P T I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can also head over to my website um, and under the community tab there's a find a physio mm. um, listing of all the Ottawa Gatineau Public floor physios in town I update it two maybe three times a year so great. you don't have to come and see me although I'd love to see you and then um, but there's so many wonderful public floor physios in town that it's really just getting help wherever you are and um, whenever you're ready really
0: I like that yeah that's great thank you so much <laughs> thank you If you're looking for more information on today's show, head over to DrTracyD.com or you can find me on social media. If you enjoyed listening to this episode today, I would be thrilled if you left me a review and let me know what you thought. Or if you shared it with someone who you think might benefit from listening to All About Pelvic Floor. Remember that this podcast is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for the care from a licensed professional. Take care and have a great week.